Oh, can anybody see these? All right. Uh, reminder, this is, no, it's a chair, but it represents, you guys, come on. It represents, God. okay, good, okay. And this is, uh, let's say this, yes, it's a chair, but it represents us, right? Okay, that's where we, we left it there. All right, I want to make sure we're all, all good there. Oops, I usually take my phone out, sorry. Um, all my stuff out. <sighs> sorry, did you call my name and I wasn't here? Yeah. Nature called right before he did. So, uh, touche. Um, hey, what's so awesome? Uh, last night we got to talk about uh, the greatest gift in the history of, of the world that Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. And it is. It's, it's the greatest news. The earlier, hardest truth, last night, greatest news I could ever share. A free gift. Again, free to us. Not free to him. Right? Somebody said there's no such thing as a free lunch. That's true. Somebody made the sandwich. Somebody took the bread out. Somebody baked the bread. Somebody grew the flour. Somebody did the work. Even though you're having a free sandwich, somebody did the work. And so this free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our son, means he died to make it happen. So praise to him, thankful uh, heart to uh, Jesus for that. But the, here, here's the deal. A lot of people died on crosses in the Roman times. A ton of them did. In fact, the day Jesus died on the cross, two other dudes were there too. He was one of three that day. What's different about Jesus is that he told people, hey, I'm going to die. And three days later, I'm coming back. I'm rising again. I'm going to beat death. That makes all the difference. If Jesus rose from the dead, all of this matters. If he didn't, it's a waste of time. None of it matters. None of it. In fact, I found a book that tells you how to disprove all of Christianity. All of it. It's in black and white. It's in print. Interested? Do you guys want me to tell you what book it is? Some people are like, where is he going with this? No, I don't want to know. Who wants to know? If, I, if you could disprove all of this, wouldn't you want to know? All right, I'm going to tell you. Thank you. Lance, me and Lance are going to have a conversation. If you could disprove all of Christianity... I'll tell you how. It's in this book. In fact, a guy named Paul wrote these words. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this. If it is, it says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, right, it has been preached that, and if Christ, uh, Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, 
Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Okay, the Bible says this. So if I was going to make up a religion and I was going to have a little book with it, I would not include like how to ruin it all. That's kind of dumb. Hey, uh, you want to you make all this go away forever? Disprove the resurrection. You're welcome. Whoa, 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 Paul. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. That's a strong statement. If I'm a false witness about God this week, it's not looking good for my future. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. He's saying, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, the cross means nothing. Because you're still in your sins. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If only for this life, this is Paul still talking, verse 19, if, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Isn't that interesting? This is scripture. You believe that stuff? <laughs> I pity you. That's what Paul says. And then the next verse. And it's a big old but. It says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. (laughs) You guys! You guys, Jesus rose from the dead! I know, I've been there too. Okay. Growing up, it was like, Jesus rose from the dead. Awesome, that's going to mean something in 2,000 years. Or, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. That meant something 2,000 years ago. That's awesome. And then I was reading a book called Abba's Child by Brennan Manning. I got to a chapter six or nine, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I was upside down or right side up. One of those two chapters said, on the top, present risenness. And it started out, it said, uh, the famed newspaperman G.K. Chesterton was approached on the street corner. Somebody, he was a famed Christian, new, a believer. Somebody said, I got a question for you. He goes, shoot. He probably didn't say shoot. I said shoot, but shoot, bring it in. And the guy said, what if the risen Christ showed up on this street corner right now, what would you do? And he answered, he is. He is. And that changed everything in my soul. I'm not waiting for someday. It wasn't just for for the folks 2,000 years ago, it's today. It's right now. The living God, now. Why, how do I know? Well, let's, do you mind if I open up John? I love the Bible. Do you guys like 
John? I was just in the John. Um, <laughs> I'm not anymore, thankfully. Hallelujah. Um, all right. John verse, or chapter 20. Can, can we read some scripture together? All right. Thank you for the nod. I appreciate it. Who's tired this morning? All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for your honesty. All right. It says, uh, on Sunday, or early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been re- removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. All right, I'm going to stop right there. First of all, the tomb, if you, have a, if you don't know, it, was, it wasn't like a grave, grave side, you know, a little dig down deep in the earth and put a headstone. It was a rock wall with a dugout, dugout tomb with little slabs on the sides, and a stone was rolled in front. Jesus had said, I'm going to raise from the dead on the third day. And people are like, ah, no, you're not, but just in case. Uh, the, the government put a, a guard in front, sealed the, sealed the stone like it's not going to happen. We, not on my watch is basically what they said. And so on that day, uh, Mary went down and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Removed from the, it, didn't say, it doesn't say, you know, it's barely, I, it says removed. I feel like it was just, here you go, the Lord said, uh, there it is. Removed from the entrance. And then Simon, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Which one? The one Jesus loved. We know now it's John. But what if you were that person? What if you were, what if you said that? Hey, I was hanging out. It was me and Roger. It was, you know, Roger and the one Jesus loves. Oh, the other way around. I love that, right? Because you would say, I was hanging out with Kent. Yes. It was yes. Kent and yes. the one Jesus loves. That's it. Let's get to that point. I'm the one that Jesus loves. Not that you're not, but I am the one Jesus loves. Right? What do you want for your children? He's the one my mom loves. (laughs) She's the one that my dad... No, I'm the one my daddy loves. Let's not just gloss over that. That is huge. The one that Jesus loved. And she said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter, are you ready for this? Do you love scripture yet? You're going to after this. Here we go. So Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, started for the tomb. We're going to the tomb. We're going to the tomb. Both were running. Oh, they weren't walking. They were running. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Now we learned that as Peter was telling Mark about, oh yeah, well, oh yeah, he fell in. No, let's skip that. John's like, this is my turn to tell a story. You may have walked on water, Peter, but I am faster than you. <laughs> and everybody from this point on is going to know who's the fastest, most loved, quickest. <laughs> you don't believe me? Let's keep reading. All right. But both disciples running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in. 
And that's what it sounded like when he looked into. He was like, what? <laughs> he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, finally uh, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, <laughs> also went inside. He saw and he believed. We are so broken and insecure. I'm, I'm the fastest. Yeah, Peter, man, he's got a lot of faith. He's walked on water. He went into the tomb. Yeah, I went into the tomb, but I got there first. Guess what? Even in his brokenness, even in his insecurity, in our insecurity, in our brokenness, I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm the one that Jesus loves. And it's not Kent. I want you to say that. I want you to know that. I am the one that Jesus loves. Uh, and if it, if it didn't happen, all of this, the Bible says that all of this is for nothing. It's a waste of time. Energy, all of it. But the reality, if you look over time, it's the, those people that believe that they are the ones that Jesus loved, who have taught education, who have opened hospitals around the globe, who have cared for the sick and the poor, who are doing the work of love. It's hard to think that none of this matters. So either he did or he didn't. And I wholeheartedly believe that he did. Some would say, like, well, I've had kids, especially high school kids, over the years, just like, how, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you know no? I mean, I know you know, but how do you know? Uh, I was in uh, Florida uh, years ago, and uh, I was pretty new on Young Life staff, and I was not making very much money. I was making uh, uh, about $400 a month, paying $250 in rent. Pay, I mean, it's like I, we, were, we were scraping by. We, we, I don't know. It, I mean, I had somebody apologize to me later, like, we should have never done that to you. And I was like, I was doing it for Jesus. I wasn't doing it for the money. We got to go to uh, an all-staff conference for Young Life. And uh, it was in, at Disney World, of course, opulent, big, and everything you know, was expensive. We got there, and we got this thing called per diem. Any Latin speakers? Yeah? What? Yeah. Oh, you're not. Oh, you were pretending to speak Latin. You know what? You're loved. You don't have to pretend. Just be you. Be you. You be you. Per diem, per day. Carpe the cash is what I was thinking, right? We showed up, and they said, you know, on the line, and they said, here's your per diem. I opened it up, and it was like $300. It's like, this is what we make in a month. What's this for? This is for your meals while you're here. And I looked at my wife. I'm like, hey, 
we'll, we'll drink water and eat rocks, you know, and, and, and we'll go home with 300 bucks in our pocket. We're so excited. And then we realized that water was $23 and rocks cost a dollar a piece, you know, and it's like, ah, didn't last as long as he wanted Disney. Um, uh, but I, we were uh, with a couple, two other couples who were older than us, and, um, and uh, <laughs> we, they said, do you want to go to high tea? And I was like, I have no idea what you, I'm a golfer. I'm like, uh, I have some tall teas. No, no, they're like, high tea. It's like you go and you sit in this fancy restaurant and you eat these little, little sandwiches and macaron. And, uh, and then you drink tea. I'm like, yeah, tea, is it light coffee? It's like dirty water, though. Brown, dirty water, Ted said, and I believe it. Um, and they're like, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm like, all right, all right, we'll do it. We're in. So we rode the monorail to the Grand Floridian. The Grand Floridian. Beautiful white, red you know, roofs and everything. It's just gorgeous. And we walk in and we're like, ah, uh, six for high tea. And they're like, okay, great. Do you have a reservation? No. Oh, we can probably fit you in. I'm like, hey, what's this going to run? They're like, that's $65 per person. And I said, for sandwiches? For tea? This is just, are you what? And they're like, can't stop, stop, stop. This is fancy. This is what people do. I'm like, it's $130. And I'm looking at my envelope, and I was like, no way for a tea. I'm not, I can't. And I don't walk outside. I'm like, Jane, we can't do this. She's like, oh, well, don't make a fuss. And I was like, I can't do this. And I, right outside the door, there was a, a gift shop. So I'm like, hey, come on in here, Janie. And we walk in the gift shop. I'm like, babe, anything you want. <laughs> I'm going to get you whatever you want, boo. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, ooh. This looks cute, and walked over to her, and she's looking at this little Mickey Mouse pendant, gold pendant. And I was like, uh, excuse me, ma'am, my lady would like this gold pendant. And she's like, it's $116. I was like, for that? <laughs> it's so small. She's like, but it's 24 karat, blah, 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 whatever. I don't, even, I don't want a carrot. I want this gold pendant. And she's like, uh, uh, that's what it is, $150, $160. I'm like, I, I can't do this. So I walk over. I'm like, hey, Janie, how about these keychains? <laughs> this one has a J on it for Janie. Let's do that. And she said, oh, okay. Had Minnie Mouse on it, and I bought that for her. And, you know. and immediately, I just, I just started weeping in my soul. I was like, God, why am I like this? I had a chance to do something special for my wife with a group of people, had something special, get her something she desired, and I'm so scarce in my thinking. I just, I, I said no. And I just was, I, in my heart of hearts, and I was just dying. We walked outside, and there's this huge, beautiful white sand beach and right on the water. And I just like, I, I want to tell her that I love her. I don't know how to tell her that I love her. And she was sitting in this, this swing with a friend, and they were swinging on the beach, and people were in those little chase lounges with a, a cabana thing over them, and I'm just standing there by myself on the white sand beach. I was like, God, how do I tell her? And he said, tell her. Tell her. I'm like, how do I tell her? Tell her. Well, how do you tell somebody that you love them on a big, white, sandy beach? 
You write it in the sand. Touche. So I start writing, writing like this, I. Because it's bold, you know, I'm trying to get a nice thick I, and I do that, and I jump over, and I make a heart. It goes down and then up, and I come down and jump over, start doing the J, and as I finishing the J, something catches my eye in the sand, and, and I reach down, something shiny, and I pick up a little gold Mickey Mouse pendant. In my, at my toes, as I finished, I heart J. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that the God of the universe went. Keep your head up, son. I love you. Can you convince me that God is not real? That God did not rise from the dead? I heart Jay. And that's me. There's the people over there that you saw what I told you, right? There it is. With a lot younger man right there. Put that in a creative memories. That's where that was. I took a picture of it. He loves me. Yep, he does. That's Janie wrote that. I wrote that. And this Mickey Mouse pendant, I looked at it, and it was a little scratched. I was like, come on. <laughs> no, of course not. I walked over. I was like, Janie, 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 look, look. It's a Mickey Mouse pendant. Look at this. She's like, where did you get that? You're stupid. Like, <laughs> I, God gave it to me over there in the sand. She's like, what do you mean God gave it to you in the sand? It's a stupid thing to say. I think, no, literally, come here, look. And I went over there, I'm like, look. She's like, oh, I heart J. I'm like, and it was in the J. I believe the God of the universe wants to say the same thing to each and every one of us. He wants to speak to you today. This isn't for charismatic weirdos and all these people. Ah, you have to do that. No. It's a simple word from your father. It doesn't have to be wow. It doesn't have to. It could be, I love you. It could be, tell her. It could be, call him. Pray for her. It doesn't have to be this craziness. It can be. It could be crazy where he flips a little gold pendant underneath your toes in the sand. Or there's many other things. Now, I want to let you know that uh, in the recent years, I've, we've got another one so I could have this one when I, when I talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Can I keep it in that little bag with me wherever I go? Um, but I believe that God wants to speak to each of you today. If nothing else to say, I love you. You're mine. So that you might say, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Um, I want to pick up just another couple of verses in Luke. We left this young boy the other day uh, sitting in the pigsty. Uh, longing to eat uh, 
uh, longing to eat what the uh, pigs wouldn't eat. The next line says this. When he came to his senses, verse 17, Luke 15, 17 says, when he came to his senses, when he, when he came to his senses, he's like, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm literally dying here. I don't have anything, food to eat. He goes, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, <clears throat> this is the speech. Me, 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 me. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer too worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. That was the speech. Father, I sinned. I'm going to go work for you. I used to be a son, but now I'll be a servant. So he got up. So he got up. And went back to his father. A lot of big butts in scripture. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Why? Because he never stopped looking for him. He never turned his back. Thanks, Pete. Uh, he always remained going this way. He always had his eyes going this way. And when he saw his son, it says this. His father saw him and what was filled with? Compassion. Oh, there it is. That gut-wrenching love that demands an action. Here he is. He's all, oh, I can't wait for him to get here. Okay, okay. No. I can't wait for him to, I'm going. And so it says, so he ran to his son. Fathers didn't run. Fathers didn't pick up their robes and hightail it. It was not, it was not the right thing to do. It, he humiliated himself to do that. In that culture, when Jesus said he ran to him, he's like, people are like, no. Yes, the father ran to the son threw his arms around him and kissed him and kissed him and didn't stop kissing him. The son said to him, this is his speech. <clears throat> Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father wasn't even listening. I don't care about your speech. You're home. He says, but the father said to his servants, not to his sons, to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. So they began to celebrate. Robe, ring, Sandals, my son, my son, my son. See what he's doing? The son's like, I'm going to go earn it. I'm going to go work for my father. I will get food and shelter and stuff. I'll do all the right things. That's religion. I'm going to earn it. Don't, please, don't. He's like, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear your stupid speech. You can't earn it. 
You can only receive it. Will you just receive it? I will put on the, the robe, the best robe. I will put the sandals on your feet. I will put the ring on your finger saying, you are my son. Yeah, but what I, da, 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 da. you are my son. You are dead and now alive. You are lost and now found. Friends, that's the heart of the Father for us, for the world, for our children. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Could you imagine what he thought? The son. I'm going to earn, I'm going to do all these things. He got up, he turned around. And started walking back. His father didn't wait for him. He ran. He met him. He met him in his pain. He met him in the sorrow. He didn't wait for him to be perfect. He didn't wait for him to understand. He didn't wait. He's like, you're in. I love you. You accept it. What does it look, what does it look like to turn around? What does it really look like to turn around? Why don't you, hey, Bruce, would you show us what it's really like to turn around? I'm done. I'm through. I do not want to be God anymore. I've ruined my life. I've wrecked my life. I don't want to decide what's right for me anymore. I want you to decide what's right for me. I want you to be God. That's what that looks like. It's a surrender. God, I need you. I need you to run, run the show from here on out. That's what that looks like. What does it look like to give your life to Jesus? Blah. I've messed it up. It looks good on the outside, but boy, if people knew, you know God. And that's what that looks like, to be back in that relationship where the God of the universe is pouring everything into you. I love you, I love you, I love you. And I can't wait for you to say, I love you too, Dad. And that's what God is calling us into. Will I, will I do good things? Will I do good works? Yeah. Why? Because I love him. Because he loves me. I will read scripture. I will go to church. I will, I will serve the poor. I will love. Why? Because I love him. Not to earn his love. Again, for somebody trying to earn your love is an affront to your love. It's basically saying, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I love you. I'll prove it. No, you can't. The hardest thing for me as a kid growing up in the church was to read the next couple of verses. Hey, yeah, this prodigal son, good, all you bad kids need Jesus. 
not us. I mean, well, this is what it says. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, working, hanging out, doing what he was doing. When he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of his servants and asked, what's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. Hey, your brother was dead, now he's alive. He was lost, now he's found. <laughs> fattened calf? He gets stuff? The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. So his father is pleading with the older son. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you in the church. No, wait, he didn't say that. I was slaving for you. And you, I never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have, everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. And be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, was lost and, and is now found. Tim Keller says this, and it blew me away. The younger son used his immorality to keep his father at arm's distance from him. Oh, he can't love me because I'm so bad. I don't deserve it. I'm so bad. I'm so different. The older brother used his morality to keep himself an arm distance from God. I don't need you because I'm good enough. I got this. I got this on my own. Look how good I am. You're pretty lucky to have me on your team, Father. Both were in the same situation. An arm's distance from the father. Father's pleading with the older son, please come in. Nap. No. You never give me what I want. Everything I have is yours. What are you talking about? He looked this far. He, his vision was so short. He only saw what he had. Meanwhile, the father's like, I want you in. You're part of this. And it was, thank you to the prodigal God the book, The Prodigal God by Tim Keller, which just shook me as a religious kid, a religious man who wanted so bad for my good works to mean something. But yet my heart was far from him. Nobody else knew. I knew. But I did the good stuff. I had people calling me up saying, hey, would you pray for me? Because I know God answers your prayers. God hears your prayers. You pray for me. Who do you think I am? You've got to be on the, on the team. You're in the house right now. I was in the field. I wanted to be in the house. I didn't know I needed to be in the house. Y'all, our father wants us in the house with a robe on with slippers on, with a ring on. You belong. Because we are the ones that Jesus loves. Can I pray for you?
Can I pray for me? Can I pray for us? Dear gracious, compassionate, faithful, loving Father. God, I pray that you would uh, speak to us today. Even now, that you would whisper truth to us. You are my daughter, who I love. You're my son, who I'm so proud of. You're my child, come in out of the snow. You're my child, turn back towards me. I will meet you on the way. Father, I pray that we would not leave this weekend unchanged. With all glory to you. And through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much.